Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Anthony Gazenzi here with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Going to be joined in a second by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. Uh, happy Friday to everybody. We're going to be doing some listener questions, getting to those. Uh, you may have quite a few after the draft. Maybe you've got more answers than questions at this point in time. Either way, we're here to talk about the Bengals. We're here to answer your questions and field those as they come in. Now, just to remind everybody, we can, uh, you can get those to us in a number of different ways. You can email those to us, the obinsider at gmail.com. You can text or call us 949-542-6241, or you can um, get to us on a number of different live chats, whether it's on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, whether it's on the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel or what have you. We've got a lot of different sources for you to submit your questions. We've also got a post on Cincy Jungle in which for you to submit those. Here he is. We've got John back there. Uh, how you doing, bud? Dude, like <clears throat> literally a minute ago during the intro, my landlord knocked on my door and was checking my kitchen for a gas leak. So. Oh, goodness okay well it's like it's like i, I did what sm- you get on the live show folks you get live I did, drama i did smell something earlier i didn't think it was gas but um did no, you no get the all clear right yeah i think we're i think we're good so sorry okay. about that folks don't don't light any matches or anything for a little bit my man no, uh no. we don't we don't uh we don't want any accidents there how you doing man I'm good. Other than the potential gas leak. I mean, I'm better now. My heart was sticking a little <laughs> bit there, but I'm good now. Well, let's answer some questions. All right. All right. Uh, you start us off, my my friend. Where do you want to go? Let's see here. Let's talk about the second round pick, Cam Taylor Britt. Drake Barry in YouTube is asking, do you think Cam Taylor Britt starts the season as Apple's replacement, or is he just a main rotational guy? What do you see Dax Hill's main role being? So let's start with Taylor Britt, Anthony. He's in line to compete with Eli Apple for that quarterback position. We don't really know the timeline of, I guess, well, I mean, they're going to compete immediately. They're going to compete for that spot. It's, it's like, it's weird though. Cause like cornerback is not really a position where you rotate in and out. Those guys are playing 80 to 90% of the snaps, just kind of like your starting receivers and whatnot. So I feel like with, with Taylor Britt, it's more of, he either wins the job immediately or as the season goes on, he gets more and more reps and practice to see, if he can beat out Eli Apple, but you know, honestly, it's very, very much up in the air at this point. I think it's very much up in the air as well. I think the summer is going to tell us a lot. Maybe he just completely shows that he is ready to ascend and be that starter right away, just based on the, you know, the ball skills and, you know, all of the traits that we've come to, to like when, when they made that pick. I just I don't necessarily foresee that being the immediate starter. I see him taking over that role probably later as the year goes on and as he shows improvement, shows some consistency. Um, so I, I don't necessarily see him making that adjust or making that jump right away. I see it maybe happening later in the year over Apple. Um, I, I do think Apple, while they like him, I think maybe the leash is a little short in terms of uh, the starting role there. Absolutely. I mean, you have a second round cornerback. You traded up to get him. He checks all the boxes of what they look for. Like, ideally, in their mind, this guy is either the starter this year or next year. If he's not the starter this year, I think it's probably because he's a little bit underwhelming. Like, I don't think Eli Apple is going to play that phenomenally in camp or the preseason to keep him at bay. If he's every bit as good as, as they think he is, 
he, sh- he should probably win that job. But again, Eli Apple could impress us and build off of what he did last year and be an even better player. So they're in a good spot regardless. And then when we talk about Dax Hill, we talked a little bit about him in the draft recap show on Wednesday. I think me and Anthony are both seeing him as what Ricardo Allen was supposed to be this past season, but he's just 10 years younger. He's a lot more athletic. He can do a, a myriad of things. But I think for the most part, you will see him on the field with both Jesse Bates and Von Bell, maybe have him and Bates as your deep safeties with Von Bell playing a little bit in the box more often. But you can also rotate those guys and rotate them up and down into the back, into the backfield. And, you know, week to week, you could see Dex Hill more in the slot if, if they're facing teams where they deem that they could go dime and have two slot cornerbacks there. So it's going to be ever changing, but I think you will see him mostly at safety and kind of that overhang defender role. Yeah, I agree with you that that as we talked about the other day and as you just mentioned that the Ricardo Allen role is just where I where I see it initially going. And um, and so that's uh, that's kind of what I see for Dax Hill. I think you see that as well it sounds like so um at at any rate that's uh, some good questions there we appreciate it we're going to keep moving on here talking about the the team's two first draft picks to start the to start the afternoon here and then we've got one from let's see a, a text dustin from in salt lake city uh Curious to get your thoughts on the general state of the roster construction in NFL. Most specifically this past off season, it seems to me a lot of teams are doing the all in Rams approach with some of these contracts and trades generally outside of the Rams. When has this philosophy ever turned to long-term success? Uh, AFC is stacked, but outside of this year, how many of these teams are really going to be able to sustain long-term success with these trades and contracts? Um, obviously alluding to the fact that the Bengals have set themselves up pretty well with the past couple of draft classes. And obviously, I mean, talent wise, salary cap wise, everything, it seems like that window is just opening and maybe even opened a year earlier than a lot of people predicted last year. So what do you, what do you think about that from Dustin and Salt Lake, John? I I think it's a valid question because I mean, free agency has been around for, you know, almost three decades, but it's accelerated to a point where like you're seeing other positions aside from quarterbacks get these ludicrous contracts or at least ludicrous relative to what they used to be um, paid. I think when you look at like the teams that have won Super Bowls, a lot of people point to, well, the quarterback is not really making that much money, even though Tom Brady extremely skews that because he took significantly less than his market value many times when the Patriots won the Super Bowls. And you've seen other teams in recent years win, with quarterbacks on rookie contracts where you're able to stack the team around them. And I think that is more or less what you're seeing. Like the teams with, you know, some of these young quarterbacks, like the chargers, they've gone all in, they traded for Khalil Mack, you know, they've added a bunch of other pieces like JC Jackson, um, even teams that have like quarterbacks on expensive deals, the Denver Broncos traded for Russell Wilson. You know, you have the Raiders trading for Devontae Adams when they're paying Derek Carr. I think they extended Derek Carr. So I think teams are just getting smarter at manipulating the cap the cap does exist it's not unreal like it it, it's it is there to manage teams and prevent them from being the yankees of the nfl so it's not like teams are just spending willy-nilly and you know it doesn't exist like it it is there it's just a matter of how you work around it and how you structure these deals where you kind of push money off to the side and have to deal with it later the saints have been doing that for years but i think it, it is worthy of a discussion as to how can you not just be competitive for one year, but two years, three years, four years. And with the way that the Bengals are doing it, I think that leads me to believe that they will be in contention for a little bit longer compared to some of these other teams. But if the more aggressive approach leads to a greater number of Super Bowls, even though those number of Super Bowls happen in in just a two to three year span, then we'll have to evaluate if it was worth it or not. Yeah, and I think you also have to, I mean, this may be, Captain obvious type of statement here, but I mean, as a, as a coach and as an organization, you have to look at where your roster is at going into a particular off season and you say, okay, we need to make this move. So if you're the Rams, right last year, they said, look, we need to move off of Jared Goff. Um, and we need to try and find a veteran star quarterback that is disgruntled in his situation. And there lo and behold was Matthew Stafford. And they made a trade to do that. So Matthew Stafford likely towards the later years, if not the end of his career, you have a star offensive tackle and Andrew Whitworth, who is kind of is, is he retiring? Isn't he retiring? And you've got some veteran players on your roster already. You kind of say, 
you know what, we kind of have to go all in if we're going to, if we're going to keep this window propped open for a while here. And the Rams had been competitive, had been to playoffs and, and you know, a, a Super Bowl in recent seasons. So, uh, you know, they kind of maybe sensed that was closing on them a little bit. They propped that window back open with the Stafford acquisition, still kind of a short-term solution. Whereas the Bengals, they drafted their franchise quarterback. They drafted their two franchise wide receivers. They drafted and developed a number of star players on their roster. Haven't needed to do player trades. Haven't needed to do some of the other things. I mean, they did go big in free agency the past few years, but they went big in free agency on guys getting into their second contracts, right? Still guys who are younger. So I think from that standpoint, it's just it's just a matter of it sounds so easy, but where is your roster at? If you look at things from an, you know, the coach's perspective, the front office perspective, and you say, okay, you know, if we can get a veteran quarterback, or hey, we have a guy like the Bengals who's just entering his third year, just came off a Super Bowl, uh, that that's where you kind of can balance some of that long term, short term planning. I think also there's just been a increase in willingness to have player for player trades and just trades in general. I remember like it wasn't that long ago where it was like the NFL was rarely a league where you're seeing some of these trades at the deadline and then the off season. And obviously this off season has really accelerated that process. So I think just <laughs> the willingness to um, go through with some of those deals, I think has made it easier for some teams to just part ways with, with some mid round picks that they feel like they're just a piece or two away with the right quarterback. So I think that has also been a part of it, but when it comes to the Bengals, that's not really something they do. I mean, this year was a little bit interesting with two trade ups in the draft, but in terms of actual player trades, yeah, that's not something that the Bengals really do, but the way that they're set up right now, they don't really, they aren't really pressed to do that. Yeah. Uh, what is, wh- where are we going next? So let's go back to, I guess, the, the, the young secondary members. We had a question about uh, Dax Hill and the ergo Jesse Bates from Keeper Slim. Will the act with the acquisition of Hill, do you think that the Bengals will be less inclined to get Jesse Bates extended? And we also had a question from America's Dream. Any news on the Bengals talking to Bates? We know as about as much as you guys know about that whole situation. When things are developing, we might get a report or two about it. But Anthony, I feel like this is really simple with Daxon Hill or Dax Hill on the roster and Tyson Anderson. Jesse Bates' leverage naturally decreases in, mm-hmm. in these negotiations. Well, not, that's not like them sticking it to Bates. It's just saying, hey, like you have one year left on your, you're on a franchise tag. You There's no long-term stability with you. You're really important to our defense. And there's a definite reality where you're not on this team next year. He was the best player available in the draft. He happens to play the same position as you. This is what it is. So I, I don't think that they're more pressed to get Jesse Bates with Dax Hill. That's that's certainly not the case. I think they still would like to get a deal done because I think they can make both of them work in the same secondary. Absolutely. I think that's also something that they had in mind when they picked him. But yeah, I don't think that they're more inclined to get Jesse Bates extended after the draft. I don't think they're more inclined. No, I, I think they, I mean, look, how they probably approached it in this draft. They said, look, we've had a year. We've talked for a year and this, and this is where it's ended up. It's ended up in a franchise tag situation and that's that. And if, you know, we have our position on this, they have their position on this and we being the Bengals and, you know, Jesse Bates camp have, has their position on this in terms of what they feel is fair contract value and whatnot. They're not seeing eye to eye and, I mean, there may be a little bit of budging from either side on those on those numbers, depending on how talks go. But I just, you know, if it hasn't gone anywhere before free agency and before the franchise tag deadline, if it hasn't gone anywhere before the draft and it didn't go anywhere last summer when they usually love to make these kinds of deals, I just, you know, I, I, I don't I'm not really seeing it come to fruition maybe as a push before free agency next year if they if they do it what i am curious about john and this isn't really what's been asked with these acquisitions that you're talking about tyson tyson anderson and um dax hill and whatnot i'm curious to see and him being on a franchise tag this year i'm curious to see how jesse bates performs this year contract year last year not a great regular season outstanding postseason then you look at this year again, franchise tag or playing for that next contract type of situation now has a little competition and lost potentially some leverage in some of those contract talks with the Bengals. Um, I'm really curious to see how he plays. And again, 
we we all like Jesse Bates around here, but you and I have talked about this a number of times on this show, man. It's it's a lot of times with him, it's a tale of two seasons, um, and, and it was kind of the case there with the with between the postseason and the regular season with him. And in other seasons, he has a great first or second half of the season, and vice versa, really, for or a less less impactful other half of the season. Yeah, so based off that, he's he's due for a, a pretty good season this year. It's it's always, I guess, it's been the the even years for Jesse yeah. Bates, but that that's part of it, right? It's just part of the leverage battle. He he realizes that there's there's this long term depth and there's a potential replacement for him, and that's something that he has to weigh with an offer in front of him. Like there is an offer for Jesse Bates to take. Like I, I can't imagine it's changed that much. It's just a matter of if the offer has been you know, adjusted closer to what his agent wants. Maybe that's when a deal gets done. But if he feels, if he feels like he doesn't want to go through what he went through in 2021, when he was dealing with issues about worrying about his long-term stability, which were completely valid, like, like these guys are human beings. If he feels like he doesn't want to go through that again, maybe he's more inclined to actually take the deal. But unfortunately for him, like all the controls in the Bengals court right now. Uh, we will keep rolling on, get those questions into us, call or text 949-542-6241. You can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. We've got a number of live chats going, whether it's in our live YouTube channel, Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, or the post on Cincy Jungle. We'll also be monitoring our Twitter accounts at Bengals OBI. John and I, our own ones there in case some come through there. Just a fun, quick little email question came our way from Adam. Is T Higgins planning to change to number five this year? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I don't, I haven't heard much on that. Yeah. He said at the beginning of last year that he was going to do that. There hasn't been really an update. Right. I, I don't think his number has changed, uh, yet. Um, I'm assuming if it hasn't changed by now, it probably won't change. Maybe he just had a change of heart. He was willing to take on the, the legacy of the number 85. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's got a lot of 85 jerseys out there for him, but yeah, as of right now, I would say I would say he hasn't changed it, but I guess that could still happen. Yeah, um, I I don't know how I feel about that. Just because, I mean, it's almost any other number. Like if he's changing from like eighty, I don't know, eighty-one or I, something like that, that just didn't have that eighty-five wide receiver luster. You know what I mean? That legacy, like you said. I don't know how I'd feel if I mean, I, it's cool because that was his college number and everything. But um, yeah, how would you, how would you feel if he changed his number? Would you care? Would you be like, oh, that's kind of cool, or would you be kind of bummed that he was moving off of eighty five? Well, I know he plays well in five. Brian in Iowa said his Twitter handle is five. Well, yeah, he was number five at Clemson. That's why he wants to be right. number five. Unfortunately, he came into the league a year early when um, everyone like these number rules didn't exist or the lack of rules didn't exist when he first came into the league, and that's why he was wanting to change it. For me personally. It would be really cool if he changed it to five and Tyler Boyd changed it to three. So you get the five one three right there. Yeah. But, uh, Boyd is moving off of eighty three. I think Boyd yeah. was like number twenty three in college, so eighty three is much better for him. Yeah, and I'm trying to think back. I mean, eighty three. I mean, eighty one has had some good, uh, some good wide receivers. Eighty's been a good number for the Bengals, and eighty two. Trying to think back to some 83s. Jeff Query, I think, was 83, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> other than that, Boyd's been kind of the, I mean, if we, you probably got to go in the way back machine just off the top of my head to, to see some of those. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, where, where are we going next? So we had a question from M.M. Jester, and he's referring to a great two-part interview on the Lockdown Bengals where Jake and James interviewed uh, Director of College Scouting Mike Potts for like 40 minutes. Definitely check that out. But he was asking, in that interview, um, Duke Tobin indicated that the DB-heavy draft that they had was not part of a grand plan, but just happened with the way that the board fell. He's asking, do you believe that? Um, I got an answer, but Anthony, what do you think? I believe it. I, I definitely believe that. I think that Duke 
has had a preference. I mean, the Bengals do like to address needs, but the way they they attack free agency and try and set themselves up for the draft is to be not overly desperate for a specific position. The Bengals needed corner. They needed, obviously, some contingency plans in place for the safety position. Um, so I, I, think, I think they maybe wanted to go offense in maybe round two, round three, um, and there was probably a run on players in round two, as it seems to always happen with the Bengals. So probably a run on players. You saw McBride go. You saw some other players go that, you know, maybe they were looking at. Obviously, offensive linemen went in that in that run there, and so they probably were like, man, they uh, probably as they were seeing guys fall, they were getting towards as they tier their board, right, their draft board. They probably got to a point where they're like, man this tier of players we have is really dwindling in terms of having the right value. So we got to move up and get a guy like Taylor Britt, a guy they liked a lot and a guy they probably did want to draft to a, to a high degree, but they probably saw a lot of players within this, probably this tier of, of where they knew they were going to be picking come off the board either a little earlier than expected or right before they went. And they said, we got to move up and get, make sure that we get one of these guys. And again, John, it goes into what we talked about, before the draft about quality over quantity that's what this team needed and so if it if it takes you sacrificing a pick to move up a few and get a player you really like go ahead and do that because this roster is in a lot better situation than it was in previous years yeah so they drafted three defensive backs that's half of the picks that they used i don't think they expected to only have six picks which is why yeah. i think i think they only planned on addressing cornerback and defensive tackle early which is why they took carter in the third it's why they traded up for Taylor Britt in the second. And there was a run on receivers and offensive linemen that happened in like the 50s. And then the Bengals traded mm-hmm. up for Taylor Britt. And some people were saying that that may be inclined to think that they were targeting some of the guys that went off in the 50s. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think they wanted to go into round three without having a new cornerback. So I, I believe that the only thing that they planned was taking a cornerback in the first 60 picks. They ended up taking Taylor Britt at the exact pick number 60 and that they wanted a defensive tackle somewhat early, and that was Zach Carter. I don't believe that they had safety on the mind in the first round. I don't believe that they expected to draft two safeties, but after their, after their first four picks, they looked at the board, said, this class is just not very good. We don't have a ton of roster openings. Let's just sacrifice the seventh-round pick and get the very best player on our board, which happened to be another safety in Tyson Anderson. So they're set up at that position pretty well. They're set up in the secondary very well, but yeah, I don't believe that it wasn't that they expected to, to draft three defensive backs ultimately. It's just how specifically with that first and fifth round ended up going just with the players that went off in front of them. And those two guys happened to be the very best players available. Yeah. And there was a run on some more offensive players, I think in the fourth round too, um, yeah. as, as that day began. So they're, you know, again, tight ends, wide receivers, that sort of thing. So maybe, you know, I, I just, again, I don't know that they expected necessarily to pick, only one offensive player in this draft and that offensive player being drafted all the way in the fourth round. Um, But perhaps I I, I do agree with your sentiment that they probably wanted a corner within those first two rounds there. And they were dead set on doing that. Um, I just, I just think they maybe were going to maybe they were thinking they were going to have the offense defense, maybe a little more balanced than one to five (laughs) um, in this, in this year's class, but good question there and a good interview. Go check that out for sure from Locked On Bengals. Um, let's keep cruising on here. There was a... Um, so we talked about this the other day. Do you think we still make some free agent moves before camp? Treader, Ogunjobi, are they still options? This was a text from 513 Area Code. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not personally seeing it. I think if they wanted Treader... They probably would have signed him at least by now, maybe probably before the draft. Uh, again, I, I think they signed Ted Karras at center to be the center. And if there happened to be a guy in the draft that they wanted to draft at center, then they would have drafted him. But, you know, they didn't get the chance to draft Linderbaum. They didn't get the chance to draft Cam Jurgens or Cole Strange yep. for that matter. And I don't even know, again, if they were interested in any of those three guys at where they were drafted or where they would have been drafted by the Bengals. I think they just genuinely like Ted Karras at center and they genuinely like at least most of the in-house options they have at left guard. And of course they have to play and they have to be good in order for those evaluations to be validated. And Bengals fans are always going to be scared about the offensive line because of the damage that the last seven years has put on their brains. But like, this is the plan I think. And like, I don't think it was going to change that much in the draft 
or in the free agency after they they signed the three guys that they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to think part of me likes to think that they're keeping an eye on Ogan Joby um, just because yes. of what he did for them last year. And maybe he's a guy as he as time goes on and as maybe, you know, teams just kind of uh, move off of that and or are lukewarm in their interest with him. Um, maybe the Bengals kind of went out a, a rent, another rental deal with him. It's really, really, I mean, I feel really bad for the guy as much as I, um, you know, wanted him to stay in Cincinnati and as much as, uh, you know, it, it stung to see him go another place. I, I really, I really wished that this situation with his injury didn't, didn't cost him as much money as it did with the, with the bears and whatnot. It's just a, it's a shame to see that happen, but you know, um, his his loss might be the Bengals' gain, and it might end up being his gain anyway. Um, if he comes back and ends up playing well again on on some sort of prove it deal, I don't know how open he is to that point. I, I would assume that's probably one of his best routes at this point, based on a failed physical that just happened a couple months ago. So I'm I'm I would like to think that the Bengals are keeping tabs on him and seeing how things play out. Um, again, one of those guys. Remember remember when they signed Mike Daniels? Uh, yeah. Mike Daniels was a guy who oh, I think you signed in June, July, uh, when he first, yeah, August. Okay. Thank you. Um, so yeah, there's going to be some signings like that potentially out there. Some of these veteran guys that you get on these one-year deals, kind of prove it deals, whether they're at the end of their career, whether they're coming off an injury. We've talked about Will Fuller the other day as well at wide receiver. Maybe that's a route that they look at. I don't know, but um, I, I would expect that some moves will be made here. I think you had said the other day the Bengals were at 87, 88 players anyway, as it was. So um, they they may have a couple openings right now, and they may be sorting through all of that. Yeah, I think uh, Hobson said in his latest article, I think someone had asked him about an Ogan Joby reunion, and then he alluded to the fact that they, they would be interested. There might be mutual interests, but it has nothing to do with like price or like the state of the roster, it's more to do with how Ogunjobi's injury is, which is, if we're to believe what the Bears have told us, is the reason why he is, is still a free agent. He's not a Chicago Bear right now because of that injury, because of the surgery. So that matters, right? He's 28 years old. They have a younger guy in Zach Carter willing to take his position right now. We have, we have to see how that plays out. We have to see if he's actually healthy enough to um, participate in offseason activities and then training camp and everything. If he's not 100%, then I don't think the Bengals are willing to, you know, muster up the cash it is required to take him on. And again, like the price might, the price may, excuse me, have a lot to do to do with if he actually wants to return because he was paid a decent change last year, and you know that's got to be the right price this year too. Yeah. Uh, what's what's up next? We got a call we're going to get to in just a second, but it's your your turn to spin the wheel. Oh, questions. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Larry Wilson Jr. in Facebook yeah, asking. Has the team moved on from Quinn Spain? Well, if you want to believe uh, jersey numbers and if they matter, well, 67 is now Cordell Volson. Quinn Spain could rejoin the team on a different number, but I feel like it would have been a similar situation to Kevin Huber where there was like an offer out for Spain and then Spain was going to wait until the to see what happened in the draft, whether or not he wants to take it or not. So far, he hasn't taken it or there may not have been an offer at all. I'm going to say he doesn't return. I, I think he's just going to be one of those guys like Mike Daniels two years ago, where if a team needs a left guard immediately in camp because of injuries, he might be one of those first guys called um, off of his couch. But I'm going to say right now that Quinn Spain has played his last game as a Cincinnati Bengal. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. And I think they're going to do what they can to. It's a good question. Um, I think they're going to do what they can there to figure out to get one of these young guys to man that left guard spot, whether that's Jackson Carmen, whether that's Cordell Volson, whether that's maybe Deontay Smith, I don't know, but um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know that Spain is in their long-term plans here. He may be a guy if he remains unsigned in the summer, the Bengals experience some injuries on the offensive line, or they're not pleased with where Jackson Carmen on field or the off field thing is going. Uh, whether they're not pleased with Volson being ready to be an immediate starter. I, I don't know. Um, maybe that's a guy they go, Hey, let's, let's get on the bat phone and call Quentin Spain. But I just, um, at this point, I, I think it's just kind of, okay. Thanks. Thanks for everything. We've, we've, we've moved on. Yeah. And I think if had he played a little bit better down the stretch last year, there might be more of a willingness to bring him back into mm -hmm. the fold, but you know that matters like he's not he's not getting younger so 
maybe maybe we've already seen the very best of Quinn Spain, and I think in the Bengals' minds, there's a better option on the roster right now. Yep, and we have our friend Terrell on the line. Terrell, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? We're doing good, man. It's been a little while since we've done one of this. We've had just a slightly busy schedule with the Bengals and the NFL draft and whatnot over the past couple of oh, weeks, yeah. but uh, happy oh, to do yeah. this and happy to hear from you, man. Oh yeah, definitely y'all too. Uh man, I gotta say, um it it, it it's definitely one of the, the, the sexiest looking your ass class, but uh I, I'm definitely I'm cool with it. I'm definitely give it a A. Hmm. Um that's uh Dassey, he is a, a bigger, faster uh Hilton. Um I believe uh uh Cam Brick gonna uh, gonna beat out uh gonna be at Apple uh, sooner or later. Hmm. I, uh, I do like uh, uh, Tyson Anderson being the Trey Flyers uh, uh, replacement. At the same time, he could he could be the new uh, Ron Bell, too. So I'm liking them. Maybe get up to like about 215, maybe. And still have the speed. And uh, the guy from Florida, uh, he, he reminds me of Larry Najobi, but a little bit more explosiveness. Maybe get some more pounds on him, too. The Gunter guy and the other, uh, the, the one, the, the free agent receiver I checked out from uh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, he seemed he, he seemed like a like a better version of uh, uh, a Mike Thomas. What I mean by that, like he could get open, and I see he get open, but he don't have that. It's something about like he don't have that 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 extra speed, maybe. But he get open though, and he he, he catch the ball, so you never know. But uh, I, and I, and, I, and I hate the only the only thing I'm sad about I believe y'all with this that patty party that 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 everybody they everybody want to want to be like us so they trying to get the three receivers <laughs> so you can't get the three receivers going I'm gonna get three tiny ends yeah well and, and it's just a patty party with the Ravens and the Jets <laughs> man they 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 know they know we out to get them and they they just sorry man I'm just. Jets and Ravens, they're collecting tight ends like it's going out of style. Real quick, before we get you off the air, Terrell, what was your favorite pick of the class just as you sit here a week later? Uh, I think I think it's Britt, man. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with I you. Think it's Cam, I think it's Cameron Britt. Uh, I, I just like his, his recovery speed. Yeah. And I think, he, I think he's going to be a better – Pro than Apple. That's I'm just leaving with that. I think he might even be better than Denard and Kirkpatrick too. No, I I can see the potential. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Thanks for always good to hear from you, my friend. Thanks for the support. Oh, you too. I'm ready. Uh, um, good to hear from him. The uh, yeah. What do you What do you make of the the Jets and the Ravens just absolutely loading up? At tight end, uh, when I did the he- happen in headlines earlier this week, John, there, there was an article on, I think it was Baltimore Beatdown, where they were talking about how the Ravens are trying to go back to 2019 when they had Mark Andrews, when they had Hayden Hurst, now on the Bengals, um, and a couple, I think maybe, uh, is it was it, I, I can't remember who the others um, were on the on the roster at that point. I think Doyle uh, was on the roster, maybe. So yeah. they're really trying to do the three to four tight end kind of offense and maybe shorten the field for Lamar. I don't know. Um, I, I heard somebody, I think it was Robert Griffin, the third say that Hollywood Brown wanted out of Baltimore because of Mark um, uh, Roman, Greg Roman's offense. Mark Roman was a former Bengals defense back. Um, <laughs> Greg, Greg Roman's offensive system that favors backs and tight ends and not so much, you know, the speedy wideouts. I don't know. I, what, what do you kind of make of, of how they've formulated their, their rosters after this spring here? Yeah, so it's nothing new for the for the Ravens, at least. I think someone tweeted out that this is like the fifth draft in the last decade where the Ravens have doubled up on tight ends, but it's just that they, they already had Andrews and Josh Oliver and a, another tight end that I don't care to remember. But so they've always valued tight ends, and that's, I mean, Andrews' production is not an accident when you look at like what Lamar does well and, you know, where he throws the ball best onto the field. So, and, that, and that's a position that gets beat up often. I think Andrews has m- maintained his health for the most, uh, for the majority of his career, but it doesn't hurt to have depth behind your, I mean, right now your best uh, pass catcher. So it ha- didn't really surprise me from the, Ra- from the Ravens side, I guess with the jets, like they just want to surround Zach Wilson with as much reliable pass catchers as possible. So that's why they have Uzama, uh, Tyler Conklin and Jeremy Rucker, the guy from Ohio state. So they got a pretty stable group 
of, of guys there. But I, I, I see that vision a little bit less compared to the Ravens because I know the Ravens have done this for a yeah. while now. Been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. been there, done that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and we know. I mean, sometimes for a, a, a quarterback that maybe struggled his his first season or just an early, a, a quarterback that maybe have a little bit more of a steeper learning curve than others, you know, having a, – a, more than one or more than one reliable tight end to kind of move the chains, get yourself in rhythm in, in games and stuff. That's always a kind of a quarterback's best friend, but good to hear from Terrell. Where are we going next? My friend, uh, just real quick. I, I just wanted to shout out hashtag sell the team, Bob hashtag, <laughs> but not to Mike Brown. I don't think you have to worry about Mike Brown buying anything worth over like a hundred dollars. Um, yeah. You have to sell the Bengals first before he gets that amount of capital. We had a, we had a super chat though from who day. Thank you for the $5. He's asking more about Dax Hill and his ability to play on the outside. Well, we already covered what his likely role is to be. Yeah. Yeah. So in regards to this, which was a heavy conversation for the 23 hours before uh, Taylor Britt was brought in as their second pick, I I still think so. Initially, Anthony, I looked at Dax, I think like maybe 50 career snaps on the boundary at Michigan. I think it was either Andrew Johnson or Mike Potts who was talking about, well, in college, because the hashes are so spread out compared to the NFL, when you're in the slot in college sometimes, or you play that nickel star position that he Mm. was in Michigan, sometimes you're a little bit further away from the formation anyways, and you're already playing almost on the boundary at that point. I still think, though, that the lack of experience with his back turned to the ball and man coverage down the field is what would prohibit him, at least initially, from being an effective boundary quarterback. Like The athleticism on paper is nothing to worry about, but that athleticism without the instincts of being in those positions, it, it, it doesn't always look or feel the same. And honestly, like he's not a picture perfect cover slot cornerback. Anyways, there's, there are some balance issues that I looked at uh, back at his film, like when he's backpedaling out of like catch coverage, I think he just works best when he's facing the ball and he's going downhill or he's dropping back into deep zones. Cause he's got phenomenal recognition and route anticipation. He he's pass passing off combo routes with ease. I think he just, he belongs in zone more than anything. So maybe that's why he's going to be a safety going forward. And maybe that's why he was the top rated safety anyways. And then he kind of learned how to be a nickel cornerback. So I don't even think that he really needs to learn to be an outside cornerback, but I guess, Really, anything's possible if he gets the right amount of coaching. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the long-term plan for him. I mean, maybe he'll get a, a, some snaps outside here and there. Maybe he becomes, you know, if, if the Bengals get absolutely decimated at the cornerback spot, maybe he he's kind of pressed into that role, especially if they still have Jesse Bates, Von Bell, and others under contract in that in that regard. But I don't see that. To to your point, I I, I see him kind of as, um, for lack of better better words, kind of a, a fun toy initially for Lou Anarumo to use and to be able to, you know, mix up the looks a little bit and do have high end athleticism on the field. But I'm with you. Some of the things that I saw too is where he's, you know, he's looking at the quarterback, not, not turning his shoulder, not turning his back necessarily. Um, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, eyes forward type of thing. And then, you know, recognize the play and break on it type of thing. So, um, I, I just, I don't think outsides in, in the long-term plans, I think that's more of a, you know, maybe to mix certain things up and or um, if there's an emergency situation, I think that's maybe kind of the the thing there. I think it's more safety slash slot corner, as you said, and or just kind of this maybe a little bit of a kind of a, a rover. I, I think, you know, this yeah. the, the, the star position type of thing, like you said, you know, kind of doing doing a little bit of everything. That's uh, that's probably what they have in mind for him here. Uh, let's I think we had another one here. Uh, from Drake Barry, thank you for the super chat there. What are your thoughts on the UDFA signings? I love the Justin Rigg and Javon Hiley. Um, I, I hope I'm saying that last name right. Uh, and yeah. that was Hiley was who Terrell referenced, I think, on the, on his phone call there. I, I think um, they they like Hiley and uh, Rigg. Rigg's hard to figure out just because, I mean, he had the four touchdowns last year, but he's also a guy that I think he had, what, 200 receiving yards, less than 200 receiving yards last season. So it's hard to really get a grasp on a guy like that, Um, you know, but I mean, the Bengals drafted C.J. Uzama a handful of years ago, and he was a guy who was super raw, didn't have a lot of stats either coming out of Auburn and he ended up becoming a pretty good pro. So I, you know, the stats aren't necessarily the only barometer to use, but there's a reason that Rig was also a UDFA and not a drafted player too. So, I mean, there's kind of a lot to sort through. There's a lot of yeah, buts. <laughs> um, 
So uh, I would say Hiley has a good, uh, a pretty good shot at potentially, at, at, as things stand currently, at potentially cl- uh, cracking the final roster here, just based on the fact that the Bengals didn't draft wide receivers and haven't, you know, really done much in free agency on that front. Yeah, after not drafting a receiver, they signed four after the draft, so he's going <laughs> to yeah. have plenty of competition to get those snaps and reps in camp, but I think he had a good chance or a good case to be drafted. So that bodes well for him with rig. I didn't know he was like a Cincinnati native. I think he grew up and went to high school at Springboro, which is uh, kind of near more, more near Dayton than Cincinnati. Then he went to UK. So people in the area are familiar with him. Our boss, mm-hmm. Jason Markham, he covers uh, Kentucky for uh, a sea of blue on SB nation. He has, he had a lot to say about Justin rig when, when they signed him, I think it was the, the case of Kentucky kind of evolved its offense more in, in his final year, which is why he was more involved in the passing game. He was just mainly a blocking tight end, I think, the first four or five years at UK. And, I mean, at 6'6", 260, you better he's be a big dude. blocking tight end. Yeah, yeah he's so a big dude. I think, he, I think he got more chances to showcase his, his running after the catch ability and his general athleticism last year. I think Kentucky has... Will Levis, I think, is the quarterback, and he might be drafted next year. So he, I think, I think they wanted to just kind of evolve the offense more than now that they had an actual quarterback. So with Rig, yeah, I think the fact that there's not a ton of competition at tight end beyond or after Hayden Hurst and Drew Sample, but honestly, like to me, it, it's the difference between a second round pick and an undrafted guy because there's not much, at least on paper, that separates Rig from Sample. It's just that Sample's been in the league for three years, and we kind of know what he is in Rig is more of an unknown but yeah he seems like a solid player yeah uh we're gonna be here a few more minutes and answering your Bengals questions you can get those to us in a number of different ways since the jungle facebook page orange and black insider youtube channel those live chats there we've got a live chat going on the post on cincyjungle.com and of course you can call or text 949-542-6241 email the obinsider at gmail.com going to be here only a few minutes more and answering as many questions as possible i think you are up next my friend yeah antoine williams how do y'all feel about them not selecting uc player i don't like it i don't like it one bit actually which is why i was very okay with them bringing back kevin huber but congrats to all nine bearcats america's dream yeah the colts did get two of those uc players alec pierce and curtis brooks six round pick i think we were all curious after not being invited to the combine but really showing out the pro day and then people kind of learning about his name curtis brooks ended up being a six round pick i think another non-combine invite uh god what's his name eric eric johnson you know, like a defensive tackle out of like southeast missouri state or whatever he was also in the sixth round so congrats to those guys but yeah i'm i, I would i would hope that you see gets more players drafted now maybe they get some more three and four star recruits there so hopefully in the future we'll be talking about some some Bengal Bearcats yeah it, I mean it was a little surprising I guess um and I guess it was a little surprising because that team was so good and they had a lot of you know kind of higher end prospects in this year's class so um you know and they you know some of these teams kind of have a little bit of um extra hometown I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, hometown love, hometown bias, whatever. So I was a little surprised by that, but you know, I, I think unf- just the way, again, the board fell and, and maybe who they, who they prefer, they just, they didn't go that route. So I think Pierce might've made uh, some sense. And like you said, Curtis Brooks, an interior defensive lineman, he would have made some sense, but um, they just went different direction directions. And I know it's tough. It's tough for the local Cincinnatians, <laughs> but um, it is what it is. Uh this this one from Austin, do you think we're set on tight end or do they try and sign another in free agency for depth? I don't know. I can't tell because, you know, we just talked about rig. Um, they, I said this, I think it was on Jeff Trenopel's show the, this week. If you remember, I mean, they, they wanted to give Thad Moss a shot last year and he got hurt in pregame warmups. And I know that'll, that'll stir the Thad Moss hive there, but um I mean, they wanted to give him a shot. They were ready to, to see what he could do. He had a nice summer and got hurt, and then it just never materialized. So I don't know if there's more – there are more long-term plans there. Mitchell Wilcox still hanging around. He just re-signed a one-year deal, I think. So, um, you know, I mean, there, there's some options on the roster that they still might like to explore. And the fact that they didn't draft one not, not only shows where the, the board fell, but also just maybe how they value or don't value the position. There's also just the fact that they signed Hayden Hurst with the intention of giving him a real 
opportunity to produce as the number one tight end. Drew Sample's still there. Mitchell Wilcox and Thad Moss are still there. If you're a free agent tight end at this point, like your opportunity is not going to be very plenty, which is why if they were to sign another guy, I think he would be the equivalent of Nick Eubanks, who I'm assuming a lot of Bengals fans yep. have already forgotten about because Nick Eubanks wasn't a very known, well-known free agent when he signed with the team in early April. If they are going to add, add another guy, it might just be someone very similar to Eubanks. I wouldn't assume it's going to be someone looking for a major role. Yeah. Um, a couple of others here. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're looking at the, um, well, here, here's, I mean, John Sheeran's biggest fan on the live comment section on Cincy jungle. Is it true that John Sheeran is the greatest Bengal sports writer in history? Yes. I mean, that's true. I don't that's know how debate. you, uh, I mean, uh, I, I think you're up there, my friend. Um, Hude Richie on there says any updates on Carmen? It's been pretty quiet. Is he at voluntary workouts? And then Mark, just to kind of tag onto that barring injury, who starts the season at left guard? You want to take the lead on that one? Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't know about Carmen and I think it's probably in the Bengals best interest. I mean, selfishly for them to not really speak on it until they have more information mm-hmm. from what we know. It doesn't look good at all, and I think it's just best in these situations to kind of let it play out and just to kind of just process the information in the best way that you're able to do so. But I don't think they're in any rush to post any pictures of Jackson Carmen working out at OTAs, assuming that he is there. He does live in Cincinnati. He grew up in Fairfield, so there's probably not a reason why he shouldn't be unless he's dealing with some things that are now coming back up to light. Um, but yeah, as far as who starts at left guard, if you know if he's able to avoid what what is going on with him he probably carmen has the best shot but i definitely wouldn't rule out volson or deontay smith for that matter either like there's a very real situation where carmen doesn't improve volson's a rookie they're looking at deontay smith again like hey you want to help out inside again and he just comes in and assuming that he's still the same player progressed a little bit into his second year maybe it's deontay smith so it could honestly be any one of those three guys i'm not saying anyone right now is the favorite at all especially with the, the situation involving Carmen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's just way too early to answer that question right now. Yeah. I, I mean, if this other situation with Carmen ends up um, not being a, you know, a, a, whatever it becomes um, and, and he's able to focus on football at that point. I mean, I would think that he is going to be the, the starter, but I, I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on that. Like you, I think, I think there are a couple of options that they have now behind him that if this situation gets um, even uglier than it already sounds and, or if these other guys outplay him and, and or Carmen, you know, can't, can't keep the weight whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not overly sold on him being the outright starter. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So um, yeah, Let's get to maybe one or two more, John. What do you think? And then we'll we'll hop on out of here. Yeah, just real quick. Brian Pro in the comment section is saying Lapham said that Carmen was with Cabin Care. Yeah. So he is participating yeah. with the team and everything. So they got that going. I think Keeper Slim asked another question earlier in the chat. He was asking, as of right now, which position group is the weakest, weakest link on the roster? And I don't think it's offensive line. I think it probably is either tight end or three technique i would still say um I, just because everywhere else is pretty solid you're pretty comfortable with it and i'm not saying to not be comfortable with bj hill or hayden hurst as your starters it's just like relative to everywhere else it, it's not as strong in the depth of those positions are not as strong as well so uh, to pick your poison there three technique or tight end for me yeah i i, I guess i'll go tight end and i'm saying that just because i personally was a little um irritated that that wasn't more heavily addressed <laughs> this this offseason I mean you, you did retain BJ Hill and you did bring in Zachary Carter but um, you know losing Ogan Joby kind of hurts and we'll see exactly what happens with the rotation and whatnot up front but I would I would go tight end um, any others that you want to uh, get to here before we hop out of here John yeah Bengals and Bruce I'll be on with him tomorrow at 7 p.m. he's asking or be on with them excuse me he's asking if the Bengals wide receiver number four is currently on the team. So I'll, I'll defer to the guy who profiled Will Fuller yesterday, or two days ago in his free agency <laughs> profile. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah. Uh, I think I think they'll just let the guy. I mean, I, they they seem to just love Mike Thomas and the, and what he brings to the team. Um, I don't know that that Stanley Morgan is going to really help help out a ton on offense. I think we know he's going to be special teams guy. And then I think you know they like some of these UDFA's to to duke it out for some of those back end spots for better or for worse. So I'm going to say yes. I don't know that they go the Will Fuller route or someone like that unless they absolutely need to because of injury or complete ineffectiveness at the back end of that roster group. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. And the only thing that changes this is emergency injuries or if one of these UDFAs really shows out. And it could be Hailey. It could be Kwame Lassiter. Someone's asking if we had any thoughts on him. Not really. Don't really know much about him. Could be Jack Sorensen out of nowhere, the guy from Miami. Could be Kendrick Pryor, the guy, the really athletic guy from Wisconsin. If one of those guys really just pops off like a Damian Willis-type training camp, then maybe. But I'm going to say it's probably Mike, Mike Thomas unless something happens to him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, thanks, everybody, for all of your questions, comments, etc. We appreciate that and spending some time with us on this Friday afternoon. John, thank you for your insight as always, my friend. It is gold. That inside of yours is gold. <laughs> uh, you have some weekend plans, both personally and, like you said, with the Bengals and Brews crew. So go uh, go check out. That show is always a fun time. Um, I was I was not partaking in Brews the last time I was on there because um, I'll make it I'll make it up for you. Yeah, I was coming back from Vegas, so I decided to to go the water route uh, for for that show. So hopefully you you step it up for me there. But um, thank you everybody for for tuning in. Thank you for submitting the, uh, the the questions and hanging out with us for a little while. We'll be back next week with a lot of other episodes for you on this show. I know Coach Matt Minnick is going to bring you more too on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Go get the Cincy Jungle channel on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of them. We are there. Leave us a review as well to let us know how we are doing. And then, of course, you can subscribe. There's a little icon underneath that SB Nation logo. And under John's window there, you can click the OBI logo down there to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell to be notified when new content is available when we go live, all that good stuff. Have a good weekend, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We, we love the moms out there, so happy Mother's Day to all of you, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.